Imagine living your life after 50 and feeling energized and excited about your future. Welcome to the Women in the Middle podcast, the podcast for women who are ready to figure out what they want and create the life they deserve. Here's your host and master certified life coach, Susie Rosenstein. Hey there, welcome back to the podcast, Women in the Middle. I'm your host, Susie Rosenstein, and I am so glad to be here with you again for this week's episode, which is another interview in the Getting Real with Women in the Middle series. I love finding amazing women to interview and introduce you to. I met today's guest while in Chicago recently at a totally fun event hosted by Susan Hyatt called Finishing Strong. Today, we are talking about taking a massive break in your career. Sometimes a break like this is just the perfect answer to the funk that you may be experiencing. When you're up to your ears in a career funk, it's not always easy to tell what is going on. Is it that you're actually unhappy? Is it that you're bored? What kind of a change would actually help? A whole new career change? Or is it a shift or a tweak? This is why I'm excited for you to meet my guest this week, Katrina McGee. She is not technically up to her midlife years just yet, but she has sure been in a funk and she knows what it's like to feel burned out and out of alignment with the job that you have. One thing that my podcast guests all have in common is that they are super cool women who've made a big scary change in their lives and are now on the other side of it, so much so that they can reflect and share some amazing advice. Katrina went from leaving two well-regarded careers to leap into the unknown and live in alignment. She came to the conclusion that she didn't have a well-balanced job and definitely needed to take a break. Katrina's story is all about how to get yourself out of feeling trapped and stuck in your career. For her, taking a break was a change that she needed to become fully aligned with who she really was her real truth. So buckle up, ladies, because she's going to give you all the gory details, and then you won't have this unknown thing anymore about how to do this as an excuse. Enjoy the interview. Hey, Katrina, thank you so much for being on the Women in the Middle podcast. I'm so excited that you're here. Thanks for having me, Susie. I'm excited to be here with you today. It was just so cool. I went to this event uh, this week in Chicago. Susan Hyatt hosted the event. And we had the pleasure of meeting each other Friday night. And then we were sitting next to each other on Saturday. And the more I learned about what you did and your experience, the more excited I got about having you on the podcast. So I guess the reason that um, I just couldn't resist talking to you was because you took a massive break in your career. So can you tell me a little bit about what you studied, how you got to that place in the first place? And I know with you, you were a little bit younger. You were in your 30s when you had a bit of a funk. Yeah, for sure. Um, So to answer your first question, when I started in college, I was a math major and it was kind of an accidental major (laughs) that I had acquired just because I was interested in math and I didn't intend to do anything with that degree. But when it came time to declare a major, I had the most credit. So it was very unintentional and um, probably not well aligned, but I got recruited out of college to become an actuary and I had no clue what it was, but soon discovered it's really 
a well-regarded career. Um, not a lot of people do it. It's a really tough sort of mathematically statistics heavy career choice. Not a lot of people take that road. So they pay really well. There are lots of job opportunities. And so I kind of jumped into that first career just not even really knowing what I was doing. And so, okay, we have to pause there because that is hysterical. So it's not that you always thought about being an actuary. It's not that there was an actuary in your family and you thought, oh my (laughs) gosh, that's amazing. It's just that you were good at math. Before you knew it, you had a whole bunch of credits in an area that you liked. And then you got recruited and there you were starting a career in something that was tough and you were proud of it, but you didn't really know what it was like. Absolutely. That you basically just summarized my whole life story there. (laughs) (laughs) So then what happened? Yeah. So then I get there. I moved to Atlanta. I'm so excited to be there. I'm excited to make this money. It's like so much money. I think my first job paid like $45,000 and it was more than I even knew what to do with. And um, I quickly started to feel like, oh my God, I don't think I belong here. But when I'm looking around, everybody seems happy, right? Like I'm surrounded by a bunch of people that did know what actuarial science was and did love studying math in college and were happy to be here. They were grateful to be there. And I was grateful to collect the paycheck. I was grateful for the work experience. And I really liked the people I worked with, or at least most of the people that I worked with. But I was like, this is not me at all. Like if you've sat next to me in in any type of a meeting or any type of an event or just met me on the street, you know, I'm kind of a bubbly, um, really sort of energetic and animated person. And that really does not fit so well with the stereotype of an actuary. And it's a lot of behind the scenes computer work. So for me, it was like this, this like slow build of, uh uh-oh, 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 I don't think I belong here. I think I might have landed somewhere where I shouldn't be, but the longer I stayed, the more it became like the harder it became to leave, the more it sort of made sense to keep staying because now I have, you know, I've passed three exams and I've gotten like a $30,000 raise and I'm making so much money. And like, why would anybody in their right mind leave that behind? Oh my gosh. What you're describing is so similar to what happens in midlife which is what I've really learned. The more and more midlife women I talk to, I see that this whole midlife funk where you're off, where something's out of alignment, things aren't quite right. It's really about stage. I think even more so than it is about age. Yeah, I would totally agree with that. And I've actually been through this process twice in my life. So I 100% agree with you that it's about stage. Wow. So I guess one thing that's different though is like uh, most of us midlife gals, us women in the middle, um, we've often stayed in a job for more than 10 years. Like for me, it was 19 years. And I've certainly interviewed several people who've been at the same job for 25 years. So that's a little different, but you definitely got a little funky, midlife funky earlier on. So how long were you in that first actuary um, situation before you started to have those thoughts about uh (laughs) uh-oh? Yeah, right. So I knew uh uh-oh pretty quickly, but overall I stayed in the, the realm of actuarial science for eight years. So I job hopped. So I, you know, it's like that, that quick fix. I'm really not happy here, but this company is going to have better benefits and better opportunities to climb the ladder and I'll get exposed to this other kind of work and that will fix all of my problems. I will be so happy and so fulfilled. I just need this little tiny easy tweak. And so I did that and then it was like, oh no, but it's consulting. I hate consulting. It's the consulting piece. 
I'm going to go work for a health insurer and everything will be amazing. And so I did that. So I left and I worked at three different companies over those eight years. But when I went to the insurer and life got easy and I still wasn't happy, but I couldn't blame the burnout on why I wasn't happy, I had to really ask myself what comes next. And I had a friend who planted a seed for me in, with the idea of going to business school full time, which sounded so crazy. At the time, I was like, I don't want to be an accountant. Like, who goes to business school? That sounds dumb. Um, but, but he was like, no, like, open your mind, girl. Like, it, it can be awesome. You can travel around the world. You meet different people. You get exposed to a lot of different opportunities. So I started doing some research and reading blogs about people who had made a huge switch and gone to get their MBA full time. And I started to get really excited about the idea of completely changing my life. Wow. So how old were you at that point? Yeah. So I was about 28 years old when I knew that I wanted to leave and go get my MBA. And I think I was about 29 when I actually started and enrolled in the program. Okay, cool. So what was going on in the other parts of your life? What were you doing for enjoyment? Did you have a well-balanced life? You know what? I didn't. So actuarial science can be really brutal. There are the exams you have to study for and all of that. And when I went to work for the insurer, life got easier. But I think it was still, I was so used to and kind of brainwashed with the idea of, you know, work has become your life. And so I had girlfriends. I would go out for brunch. You know, we would go out sometimes on the weekend, but really it was this life that revolved around work. Work was the sun. And then it was like the few moments of social interaction were just like the shooting comets, like the nice to look at things or the things to enjoy. But I really was not very good at that time about making space to have a life. Oh, that's so interesting. So for me, I just started to feel bored. So it doesn't sound like boredom was what was creeping in. Well, how would you describe the main feeling? Yeah, I definitely had mental boredom um, where it was like, I just didn't feel like the things I was learning were interesting. But for me, it was more of this restless feeling. So I felt so restless because I knew I could do more and I wanted to do something so different, but I was, my job did not require levels of creativity. It did not require like high-functioning, like emotional intelligence to have really in-depth conversations with people and figure them out and entertain them with my stories. You know, there just was so much about me that wasn't being utilized in this job that like lit me up and helped me feel like I was coming alive. And so it was like this burning restlessness of, I have to change because I literally might implode if, if I don't get to reconnect with myself. Mm, I see. So you started to get hopeful about business school. Then what happened? <laughs> Well, I had an amazing two years in business school. Let me tell you, um, I traveled around the world. I had never been abroad before I started business school, and I decided to rectify that as soon as possible. And I traveled to multiple countries. I studied abroad in Barcelona for a semester. I had an amazing time and met amazing people. But then it always comes back to what the heck are you going to do next? And I thought switching to marketing and market research would be just the change I needed. I felt like oh my gosh, this deals with people. This is still smart, right? I'm trying to make these very responsible and smart decisions about my career. And even though it seems crazy, I'm giving it all up to go to school for two years. I'm giving it up for a pretty well-known degree that almost assuredly I could find a pretty decent job in. So I was trying to take all the right steps, but I thought, oh, I'll do this other career and I'll interact with people and everything will be solved. All my problems will be solved and I will live happily ever after. 
And that is not what happened. (laughs) (laughs) So what happened? So I found a job, a really great job working for General Mills in market research. And, you know, for people, when that's your thing, it is a really great opportunity, but it was a really corporate, super corporate environment. And there's just a lot of navigating that comes with that, navigating your career, navigating your progress, navigating relationships, navigating the bureaucracy of it all. And it was kind of soul killing for me because I just wanted to be myself. And I felt like the things I'm really good at being an awesome team member, making people feel better, like bringing levity to a situation, um, really like caring about people, like all of that stuff was just fluff, nice to have. And it was like, no, like you've got to prove yourself in this way. And my actual job while interesting, because I do like learning about new things, was not connecting with me at all. And it was only probably three months in where I started to have the sinking feeling of like, oh my gosh, I thought I changed my whole life. I thought I took my life, turned it upside down, shook it completely loose. And really, I have, I have, just, I have just shifted boxes, right? Like it's the exact same life. Mm. I just put it in like a purple box instead of a blue box or something. It was like the same life. And I was like... I don't know that I can stay here. <laughs> so was, it, was there one event that really shook you up, um, like a wake-up call, or was it just the sinking feeling? It was a sinking feeling that I think was punctuated by a few events. One of the first events was my mid-year, mid-year review. So it was like the three-month I just started review. And I was partnered with this person that I liked her so much personally, like as a human, I thought she was super fun and interesting and very smart, but working with her was really tough and she had super high expectations and I didn't have a background in market research when I started, but she didn't seem to care. So I feel like disappointing her on this big project that was sort of just dumped on me when I started was excruciating. And when I thought about what it was going to take to be the person that she wanted me to be or that I felt like I should be, my heart was not in it. And that was that scary moment where it was like, the only reason I want to do well at this job is because I'm a people pleaser and I always like to do a great job. But like, there's no part of me internally that is motivated to do a great job in this role. Oh my gosh, that comes up so much with women in the middle. So unlike you, like I said, they've often been at their job for a couple of decades, but they still can't really understand why why they're there anymore other than it just looks good on paper mm-hmm. and it's easy it's the path of least resistance but they're really their heart's not in it anymore and the reasons that they're there aren't the type of reasons that they want to be making decisions based on anymore absolutely yeah so you talk about being scared that this was purgatory, that this was really just not going to go, it wasn't going to end well. So how did you start to just start to think about what you might want to do instead? Yes. Okay. So this is the, this was a really hard, hard part of my life for me because, you know, when I was felt trapped in the actuarial world. It was, it was mind blowing to think about leaving because no one leaves. Like, why would you leave? And I, I wondered sometimes if, if I would ever be able to leave. But going to get an MBA when I figured that path out felt smart. It felt easy to tell. It felt like, okay, that's a little crazy, but it makes a lot of sense. I felt really trapped at a dead end here because I had what I thought had reinvented myself. And when I looked around at all of my friends and what people were doing, I was like, well, you could be a doctor, a lawyer, or you can work in corporate. And it was like, that's all my brain could comprehend. 
And if all of these things aren't working for me, what the hell am I going to do next? Like what is waiting for me and how do I do it? How do I do it and pay my bills? How do I do it and have a life? How do I do it and still feel like I'm not wasting all of this education and experience that I have? And so for me, it was like that first inkling came about three months in, but I suppressed it, right? I'm new. This is just me being uncomfortable because it's a new job. And like, there are fun parts. I'll just focus on the fun parts. I'll just push through. And then like eight months in, it was so clear to me. I was tearing up sometimes on my way home from the office to my house, my apartment. And I was like, who am I? I was this sparkly, bubbly, happy person who loved life and was creative and danced and like just had so many amazing adventures. And I don't recognize myself anymore. My whole life revolves around a job I don't even want to have. And so that for me was the moment where it became too uncomfortable to do nothing, but I felt completely helpless and totally unaware of what I could do. And that's when somebody suggested to me at the office, actually, she was like a contract employee that just happened to be there for a project. Um, We were having a really honest conversation and she was like, I have a friend and she's a life coach. I think you should give her a call. And so I was willing to grab any rope that anyone was willing to drop over (laughs) the side of the ship. And so I grabbed that rope and I called her right away and we set up our first appointment. And that was the beginning of the next chapter of my life. It's just another example of a life coach saving the day. I know, for sure. (laughs) Absolutely. No, I love that. I love that you had that... uh, I'm sorry, it's not that I love that you had this horribly sad moment in the car, but that you, you hit the point emotionally where you recognized something had to change and you were very open to the suggestion to talk to some stranger who might be able to help. And thank God she was there for you. This temp person was there for you. And it sounds like that was the thing that allowed you to start to think about possibility. So how did that all happen? Yeah. So I went to the life coach. That's such a great question. I went to her the way I swear a lot of my clients come to me with that. Just tell me my passion. Help me find (laughs) my purpose. Because if you can just tell me the one thing that I'm supposed to do forever and ever, that's going to make me feel so happy and so fulfilled, I can go live happily ever after. So please, (laughs) please help me find that. Right? Totally. Totally. But it doesn't work like that. And so that's kind of what I started with, with her on my journey was like, help me find what it is I really want to do. But what I discovered, painfully discovered through our months of working together, um, I was sitting on the couch, we were having an unrelated conversation. And I had this huge sort of like epiphany where this voice just came very clearly from within myself and just spoke to me and said, you don't want another job. You want a break. And it was like, oh my gosh, what do I do with that? Like I knew no one that had ever taken any type of sabbatical or career break themselves. Like I didn't know anyone. And here's this idea, but it felt so true. And so for me, we worked on letting go of all of these limiting beliefs and layers and kind of what was underneath of it for me as my next right step was just taking a break. I wanted to travel around the world. I wanted to spend time with my family. I wanted to visit my friends. Like I wanted to live a life that I never had time to live when I was grinding away at a job I didn't even enjoy. And so for me, it was like super scary, but like it also felt super true. And it was like, there was no denying it. I did want that break desperately. Wow. That's what I love when these ideas creep in with 
if we're not supervising our brains, we close the door on them immediately to run back into the cave where we can safely but miserably continue living. Oh my gosh, absolutely. And Susie, like, let me tell you, I read Elizabeth Gilbert's Eat, Pray, Love in 2000, and I think it was 2009, and I was in the middle of B school, a business school. And I remember that feeling bubbling up in me that was like, she is like telling you what you want. Like, I want to take a trip around the world to live my life. And it was like immediately, it was like smashed, crazy girl, take that thought, throw it away. You're in the middle of business school. No one quits business school. Don't be stupid. Just shut up and like go do your economics homework. Like it actually, (laughs) I had that moment, right? So like this had bubbled up once before and I totally forgot about it because I pushed it so far down. But absolutely, I think that we all go through those periods where it's so foreign and scary and we don't know what to do with it. And if you don't have support in your life, you just toss it in a box and throw away the key and hope that you can hide it forever. Yeah. And it's so funny. It's just a thought. Like there's no reason that we can't entertain these thoughts. Uh, We don't need to act on them. We can explore all kinds of permutations with the actual thought before we commit to anything. But we're so afraid. What I think really happens with most of us when they creep in is we start focusing on the how instead of the what. When we're really dreaming, it's really about the what. What is it that I'm thinking about? What is it that I really want? But the minute you, the second you start to think about, well, how am I going to do it? How's somebody my age going to do it? I'm not going to have any money. What are people going to think? It's too hard. I might fail. All of that stuff. Of course, we're going to close the door. But just allowing ourselves the, the time to just explore what am I thinking about? Why is this thought here? What is it about travel that I'm craving? You know, we live once. There's nothing wrong with exploring, but for most of us, it's too scary. Absolutely. That is so well said. And I think that is a very true statement. Too scary, too scary. But I love just reminding people, my clients, I'm like, listen, let's forget the how for now. Let's just focus on the the what. You guys have to trust me. Let's just do this for a little bit. Absolutely. And I think like that's the power too, right? Like it's exactly what you're saying. Like we can worry about the how right away, but that that leads nowhere. That's like a dead end. And I think for me, connecting the second time around with the support of a coach, it was connecting to the like what's behind that, like the why of it. Like, why do I need this? What is important about this? What what instead of focusing on how I'm gonna do it, focusing on like what does the ideal break even look like for me and like why is it my ideal break? Like that was powerful and motivating. And like, those are the thoughts that help you figure out how you're going to move forward in the hard times, right? Or when things aren't super clear, it's like that driving force, but giving the power over to the, to the what and to like really connecting with your why, I think versus focusing on the how is is super powerful. Yeah. The how is just a big fat dream squisher. Yeah. (laughs) Well said. (laughs) Totally. So what was at the kernel of the why for you? So for me, it was this feeling that um, I had been one day in my life forever. One day I'm going to. I grew up in a small town. I grew up wishing for big travel. Um, You know, like I grew up in rural West Virginia and we didn't really travel much of anywhere for vacation or otherwise. And I, I knew there was a big world out there. And maybe when I was 10, my one day was going to see what the Grand Canyon looked like or going out to California. But for me, it was absolutely like 
too many one days. And as an adult working a corporate job, you get your two or three weeks of vacation to live your life outside of work. And it was like, one day I'm going to go see Thailand. One day I'm just going to spend a week with my mom and my dad and like not have to worry about work and not have it be a special holiday. Like I just want to see them and like get to know them. I want to get to know my niece. Like there were all of these things in my life that felt important that I was rationing them out and like putting most of them towards like one day I'm going to. And so my why was I am going to live my life for one year as if all of my one days have suddenly arrived. Oh, that's so interesting. So it's not like you said, this is it. I'm, I'm just going to live this weird lifestyle and do whatever I want. You thought you really did start to think about it as a break rather than a complete lifestyle at that point. Yeah, absolutely. And I think upon reflection, it's baby steps, right? Like leaving my whole life behind indefinitely forever and ever was like such a scary proposition for this actuarial type A planner. But the idea of a very finite amount of time taken with a plan, saving money, knowing how much money to save, like that felt manageable. Oh, that's interesting. So once you had it in your mind that it was going to be one year, that kind of gave you structure to start to plan the next step, which is how you're going to make it happen. Yes, absolutely. To daydream about all of the things I'm going to fit into that year and then um, figure out how much money is this going to cost and what are all the steps I need to accomplish to make this real. Wow. So what were a couple of the big things? How much money did you need and what did you start to do to bring it into reality? Yeah. So I, um, I quickly brainstormed what my ideal break would look like. And when I did the math and trying to estimate, I came out with $38,000. So I was like, well, well, dang, I got $1,500 in my bank account. So this is going to be fun. Um, but realizing there was this huge gap between where I needed to be and where I was, I got really serious about reestablishing a healthier relationship with money. Um, I wasn't living above my means, but I was definitely living at my means. And so I had to really become super intentional about where my money goes. I still went to Portugal. I still did Invisalign. I still traveled and did some awesome things in the U.S. I did a lot of awesome things, a lot of awesome stuff, but I became super intentional about where my money was going. And when it wasn't going to something that was extremely important to me, it was going into my savings account. And I had a plan and a budget and I was tracking it in my Excel spreadsheet every single day. And I was just like becoming aware. I mean, I had to get to know myself. Like who does... Katrina in, you know, 2011, like, what is she spending all of her money on? Who is she? Like, what does she like? What does she not like? What is she doing with her money? Where does it all go? That was, that was the big question I needed to answer. And so I got in touch with that and I started making different choices. Um, I also realized that for me, living in alignment and being able to fully like embrace this break meant telling my job way in advance because I was dreading the tap dance of pretending that I have a five-year plan, pretending that I'm going to be here for 20 more years and pretending that like I want to rotate to this other, you know, job in like 12 months when my rotation is up. Like it was just so exhausting to pretend, pretend, pretend. And so I gave them eight months notice. Um, when I'd started saving money and I realized I'm really on track here and things are really increasing, my bank account is increasing, my plans are coming, becoming more clear. Um, I told them eight months in advance, like I'm leaving in August. I love that you shared what it really looks like to make a plan to make the transition and having that dollar amount in your mind and really knowing that that was the ticket, uh, one of the most important parts to make the plan 
take life. And I guess that that's really has a lot in common with midlife women because many of the people that I coach talk about their dreams to leave their job that looks good on paper. So that's very challenging for many. And some of them have a side gig that they want to dive into completely or spend more time doing. And some of them just want a complete and total break like you're describing. And what I always say is that you don't need to do anything right away. You could make a plan that involves coming up with a dollar amount to make the transition work for you. But just because you're dreaming about it, like what we were talking about a few minutes ago, doesn't mean you need to take action immediately. And as soon as, my experience is that as soon as my clients start to really appreciate that, a lot of the tension just releases because they have a plan and they're focused on their future rather than the, con- the constant spin of misery about feeling helpless. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, I could say the same for a lot of my clients. I, I do think there's this magical force that sort of um, sometimes you'll gain momentum. And I think for me, I'm a control freak or at least a recovering control freak. So I loved the plan. I loved knowing that I knew what to expect when the plan came to fruition and I had accomplished my goal. But there is something about when you start to see how powerful you are and you're working towards a goal and you actually see it coming closer. I also think there's this like force behind you where you're like, I can't take it. I want to do it right now. Like I just, I want to go. And so, you know, it's constantly evaluating like plan versus what feels right for you. I think for me, it's like the plan was always open to change. Like I was focused on it, but I, you know, I, I won't lie. There were nights that I secretly would pray that my company with the next wave of like layoffs would let me go and that I would get a severance and that that would like speed along my plan. But I was open, right? I knew kind of what I really wanted to get out of it, but I was open to other things because when you start the journey, it's like your excitement for what you're creating just starts to build and you start to see how powerful you really are when you're not obsessed with being afraid, you know? Yeah. That's so much more energy going into creating a future for yourself versus all of the fear. Fear is such a a massive energy suck. It's amazing how many of us are pretend that we're comfortable making fear-based decisions when in reality, we're not creating the result we want at all. Absolutely. Yeah, it's so crazy that way. So you did it. I did it. I did it. It took me 18 months, but I saved $40,000 and I, I left my job. And by that point, I had become so good at managing money and it had become like second nature to me that my original plan for 12 months was extended to 20 months because I decided to just keep traveling and keep living sort of on my break until the money ran out. Wow. So when you were away that year, what kinds of things did you think about in terms of your own ability to create anything you want in your life? That is such a great question. So um, for full context, I have to say that um, my plans took a huge unexpected twist and turn. Um, So, you know, I've been planning this break for 18 months and um, my brother, who was like my most favorite person in the whole wide world, unexpectedly passed away about 10 days before my last day at the job. And it was like, I know. And it was like catastrophic, right? Like I had been planning this thing for so long and like talk about a control freak. I knew exactly how it was going to go. And I was going to go home for three months and spend time with him and my family. 
and it was just all like taken away. And so um, I had to really question, what do I want this break to be? I had to question like, what is it that I need right now? And I think for me, it propelled me on this journey of like learning and accepting and um, letting go and, and just being, right? And so for me, this break ended up being so much more cathartic than I ever knew that it could be because I didn't know that my little brother was going to die. I didn't know that. And I cannot imagine what my life would have been if I had to walk back into that office like four days after he passed away, after we had his funeral and pretend some more that I liked it there when I didn't, like, I don't even know. And so it kind of tainted my break in a way for at least in the beginning, but it also, this break was like the most magical gift because all I could do was like wake up every day and try to make it through the day for the first few months. And so I feel like I learned so much, but it was like, my ability to create the life that I wanted, like things are going to happen to you that you don't expect. And some of them are going to be freaking amazing. And some of them are just going to really suck. But it's like, there's so much room in between all of that for you to show up and decide how you're going to frame your experience and how you're going to choose to move through the life that you have and the circumstances that you're given. And realizing how much power I had to influence my life, even though these things outside of my control were happening, was just life-changing and, and so empowering. And I can't go back. I can't change that he's not here. But like, I can totally affect change with how I show up every day for the life that I have because I'm still here. And so I get to decide when I wake up every day what I want my life to be about. And when I'm not happy, I don't need to beat myself up but I do have the responsibility to look at myself and say, okay, Katrina, why are you unhappy? And what do you want? And like, when are we going to go get that? Wow. Wow. That is something. Uh, And it almost seems like the trip, putting this break in your trip and, and protecting this experience that you planned for in your life really saved you. It did. And, you know, I definitely almost called it off. Like, you know, my mom was, obviously, understandably having a really hard time. And for her, it was like, oh my gosh, this is perfect. You've just left your job. You have nothing to do. Like come home and let's, you know, be sad together. Like she needed and wanted support. But I knew that for my own grief, like I could not go sit somewhere and and be sharing someone else's, someone else's grief for months on end. Like I, I thought that I might fall into a dark hole I could never crawl out of. And so, um, having this break sort of planned was, I mean, that was the only reason I could do it. I never could have planned a break like this in the midst of this tragedy. It was just already sort of pre-planned out for me. And I had become attached to experiencing this. And and I think in some ways, like it did save me, um, you know, from just basically going to a dark place that I don't know how I would have come out of. Yeah, that's so interesting. And I'm just also thinking about the way you talked about that temporary person who happened to be in your office who happened to offer you a life raft, uh, you really can't underestimate the value of happenstance in your life. And, and knowing that you can be in a headset, a mind space to welcome opportunity or to just close the door. And it sounds like all the work that you've done and all the prep that you'd been doing really helped you move into opportunity for yourself that you knew that you needed. Like if you didn't have this growth, it was going to be a real problem. You'd already ended up in two jobs (laughs) where you had that Mm -hmm. feeling, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh. So 
it just kept you moving forward. Um, happenstance seems to have played a significant role in your transition. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, it's exactly like you said, like you can't, you can't always know what the future is going to hold. And I think a lot of people are scared to leave the thing that they know, even if it's making them miserable because it's familiar and something about that feels safe. But like you, you have, like you have to be, when you feel called to move forward, when you feel called to like really get on board and start really driving the ship or driving the the bus again of your life, you can't know all the time what exactly it's going to be. I did not know that my brother was going to pass away. I didn't know if I was going to be able to find another job when I finished my break. Like there was so much that was uncertain, but I knew the truth of what I needed and what I needed to like fully feel like I was living my life, like we say, in alignment, but just being authentic to myself and treating myself as if this present moment is all that's guaranteed. And so I'm going to live the hell out of this present moment and not hold myself back because I don't know the future. Yep, that's it. That's it exactly. And the longer we are on the planet, we really need to supervise um, ourselves when it comes to fear and staying safe. And the other thing that I find really important to remember is that when you make decisions based on fear, you're not only preventing yourself from experiencing growth, but whatever it is that you're afraid to do can also have an impact that you don't truly understand. So in your case, and in my case, we both leaned into helping other people become happier. And so if we would have retreated and not done what we felt called to do, we wouldn't have been able to have the impact on other people either. Absolutely. So can you tell us a little bit about, I jumped the gun there a little bit. So what did you do after your trip? Uh, How did you decide to become an entrepreneur and move toward helping other people this way? Yeah. So um, for me, it was a process. So I like, I guess I like to take the long road sometimes, but when I came back from my career break, I still had $42,000 in MBA loans to pay off. And I really, in my heart, I really was considering pursuing becoming a coach at that point and getting certified. But I also knew myself and I knew that carrying this burden of debt was going to really affect my limiting beliefs about money and about career potential as an entrepreneur. I did not grow up with um, sort of an entrepreneurial model. And so for me, it felt like a crazy, crazy world. And I just knew myself. So I decided that my biggest priority when I came back from my break and ran out of money was going to be to pay off that debt as fast as possible. And the great news is that I had developed some really awesome um, beliefs about money and some really great budgeting tools. And just, I had a great process for saving money. So I went back into corporate. Um, I got serious about looking for a job, tried to find a job that I would at least like if I couldn't love it and that would pay well. And I ended up with five job offers in five weeks, just five weeks after posting my resume, I had five (laughs) offers and I was like, well, there you go. Right. Like that unknown, that was wilder and crazier than anything I could have guessed that would happen. And I'm so thankful that I didn't let the fear of, will I ever find another job keep me from taking that break? But um, I came back and 22 months later, I was debt-free. So I paid off all of that debt in 22 months. That included um, taking a job that had like a $20,000 pay cut. So that was a huge thing for me. 
And then once I became debt free, I, I started certify, I started the process for becoming a certified coach. And I knew kind of all along that this is really the space I want to play in. Um, I love motivating people. I love inspiring people. I love helping people find a happier place in life and just find the appreciation for what they already have and also checking in and recognizing their power to make life what they want it to be. And so it was kind of something that I was always drawn to, especially in working with my own coach. But I just felt like I needed to get my finances in order before I went that route. So it took me about three years total from ending that break to having um, sort of a second round in my market research career to leaving as an entrepreneur full time, which I did this February. But I think it's for me, it's been something that my heart has felt very called to um, and that I feel lit up by. I feel lit up by sharing my story. I feel lit up by people coming up to me and saying like, you make me feel like this is possible. Yeah, that's so good. And I just want to touch on one thing. You don't have children or a mortgage, correct? I no longer have a mortgage. So I actually, everything, I bought a house when I was 24. So I had a mortgage up until February of this year, but I do not have kids. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. So now I can hear my dog Nico chiming in. So I moved the bird after she chimed in. Everybody wants to be on the podcast today. I know. They love me. They love me. They do. They do. So yeah, so I just want to say congratulations for paying off a mortgage. Um, I just want to say a lot of women in the middle might be thinking, come on now, she doesn't have a family. Of course, she could take a break. And the reason I wanted to have you on the podcast was just to share a story of possibility. And I love that when you started talking, this idea for you was crazy. You didn't think it was possible at all. And so the main message really is that the, po- the impossible can become possible. So whatever it is for you, whatever it is uh, with your particular family situation or age and stage or career situation, there are things that are possible for you that you currently think are impossible. It may not be what you did, Katrina. It may not be saving that amount of money. It may not be taking that amount of time off. But there is something that is currently feeling crazy and impossible that absolutely can be possible. There are opportunities out there for you, for everyone listening, that you don't yet think are even something that you should allow one second of your brain space to consider. I absolutely, I, I love the way that you said that. And I absolutely agree with that. And it, it is all about on your terms, right? Nobody needs to follow the exact path that I did, but it's just, wow, that realm of possibility is so vast. And if we could just step into it, you know? Yeah, it's so interesting because now I'm empty nest almost completely. So I have three kids. My oldest son is in grad school. So he's here in the house three days a week. And then the the rest of the week, he has an apartment in another town where his research is. And my other two are away at school. And what I can see happening is the importance of retraining my brain about what is possible. So even with me doing this work, if I have an opportunity to, to travel or to attend something, I always think, oh, I can't do it. Oh, it's too complicated. Oh, I have to check 10 schedules. And so even me that I'm kind of sliding into this phase of very comfortable empty nest where I really don't need to check 10 schedules, all I really have to do 
is get a pet sitter. Like really, that's all I have to do. <laughs> My husband is completely, you know, competent and that's really all it is, is, is the pet sitter available? But I catch myself with the first thought saying, oh, it's too hard. Oh, it's too complicated. So it really does take work to train yourself to dream and to, and to go into that land of what's possible for me and what do I really want and what is in alignment with my true self. What would I regret not doing? And that's why I love the concept of regret-proofing your life because it looks different for everyone, but it looks like this is something that you have become a professional in. Yeah, I think, yes, I think that actually I'm becoming quite good at it. And it does take courage every single time. And every single time I feel I'm having to push through new fears and new worries and new concerns about what could go wrong. So it never gets easy, but I definitely have learned to trust myself and trust the process and just to know that it's so worth it. It's so worth it. Oh, I love that. So I understand you've got a freebie that you're working on. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, so I do. So I love making the impossible seem possible. And so um, it's actually a free guide with seven super simple steps I took to find my own career freedom and save the the, the $40,000 in 18 months. And so for me, it's breaking down something that on the surface might seem like, how the heck did she do that into something totally manageable? And you can see exactly how I did it just to realize like, you can get control of your money, but even if your dream is not about money, like you can, you can make the impossible possible. Like, like you'd said before, it might feel impossible in this moment, but people all around the world are doing crazy, amazing, awesome things. And you can totally be one of them. Look at all your actuarial science coming into play now with your mad math skills. Who knew? I know. Who knew? It came in handy. So great. Well, I will have a link to that free guide in the show notes. And I understand you also have an Instagram page. What's the address there and what goes on on your Instagram? Yeah, I love. So I've loved showing up on Instagram. So my Instagram handle is Coaching, K-M-C-G-H-E-E coaching. But um, I love to do 30-day challenges. So sometimes you'll catch me in the middle of a 30-day challenge. My first one was around gratitude and presence. And my second one was around connection. But I just let people follow along um, as I travel around the world and kind of capture a theme of what I'm trying to elevate my awareness on or what I'm focused on. But more than anything, you know, I'm kind of always on the road these days on a perpetual (laughs) road trip of sorts. And so I love to share all of my experiences and adventures, but through the lens of what am I learning about myself and about others and how can this be of service or help to other people that want to follow along with me? Oh my gosh, so good, Katrina. Thank you so much for joining us today on Women in the Middle. You've really shared what it's like to be in the the trenches of sensing that you need a change, not sure exactly what to do about it, and then finding your way to understand what it is you really want and what's possible for you. I think the women in the middle are going to get a lot out of hearing your story, and thank you so much for sharing it. Thank you for having me, Susie. Like, you've asked some amazing questions, and I am so excited to be here with your audience, um, inspiring someone out there to do something big and bold. Love it. Thanks so much. Interesting story, right? I am sure you can relate to the way Katrina was talking about just hoping somebody would just tell her what to do. The thing is that when you quiet things down and allow yourself to become aware of the thoughts that you're actually thinking up there, 
You can usually see what's going on, but it's just too easy to close the door and ignore what you really want instead of actually connecting with that insight. But it's those thoughts that need to be explored, respected, honored. You have to allow yourself to take a look at the what before the how. Allow the awareness, connect to what's behind the thought. Ask yourself why you want it. What are you making this thought mean? Those are the questions to dig down a bit and really take a look at so you can get at what you want. You know what I always say, you owe it to yourself to regret-proof your life. One thing is for sure, you will absolutely regret having regrets. So if you like what you've heard, just head over to the Women in the Middle podcast on iTunes and leave me a review. Check out the show notes with more information and links at www.susierosenstein.com. As we're nearing the end of this week's episode, I want you to think about something really important. Do you know where you want to be this time next year? Really allow yourself to think about focusing on the future just for a few minutes. It's so important to give yourself time to think and reflect about what you want going forward. Do you want to be in the same place with all the same feelings about being stuck and a preoccupation with focusing on what you can't do? instead of what you can do. If you're not totally stuck, are you ready to grow and do something serious about it? You owe it to yourself to really think about it. There's so many things you owe to yourself. Ask yourself, do you wish you could actually fall in love with your life, especially now at your age? I'm pretty excited about my new one-year coaching experience aimed at helping you focus on just this. It's called the 50 Unplugged Mastermind. It's perfect when you are ready to finally put your own needs on the priority list for a change. It's about celebrating opportunity. It's about unplugging from the stigma and stereotypes about what you can't do because of your age, because of what's going on in your life, because of the spin that you're in and confidently focusing on what you can do, regardless of how old you are. It's about being way more intentional about your life so you don't have regrets. Nobody else will do this for you. It's about possibility and growth, excitement and freedom. How great is that? And the best part, you get to be part of an amazing community of women who want the same thing. Learn more about this unique and totally fun year-long coaching experience for women just like you who are turning 50 or in their 50s or even 50-ish and are committed to getting excited about their lives again. You have waited long enough. It is time to celebrate opportunity in your 50 unplugged life. Go ahead and apply already. Just go to www.talktosuzie.com and book your 10-minute call. It's just to see if we're a good fit. It's free. There's no obligation, but I am waiting for you to apply. You really can create that life you've always wanted. Seriously, don't waste another minute. Just get your application in. There are limited spots and bonuses for signing up this month. I can't wait to see your name in my calendar. Let's do this, ladies. One amazing insight at a time. Thanks so much for listening. (laughs) 